Our text is an unusual text. It probably is not a good bedtime reading passage. I don't know that it's been fully sized in a small group setting. I'm pretty sure um, that no one has printed this and put it on their refrigerator. Although I do like to see scriptures printed, but perhaps you might skip this one for print. However, in prayer this week and in reading last week and looking forward to this moment, the Lord presented to me a thread. It was an unusual thought. It was just a thread. Um, maybe something that you would use to sew on a button or coming from a small spool. And so he gave me this thread and then he told me that if I would use it, he would weave the tapestry for the church. And I'm not very happy about that because I like to know what I'm getting into. <laughs> yeah. You come up here and try to do this and use a thread. I don't. So the anointing of the Holy Ghost has got to be here today. Now I'm prepared and I know what the Lord has said to me. You know I never shoot from the hip, right? Well, if you don't know, now you do. If I'm coming, uh, I'm loaded or I'm not coming. Uh huh. And um, so... I have to have the Lord and you have to have the Lord and we have to hear with spiritual ears today. The Lord is calling us to a very powerful and deep commitment in God. And I want to say to everyone who is in this room and on this campus today and listening today, God ordained you to hear this word. You didn't come here by accident. You might have thought that you you came by obligation but really God drew you here for this moment it was the design of the Lord amen so here it is Exodus chapter 4 and verse 24 and it came to pass by the way in the inn this was a lodging place that the Lord met Moses. Now this is a family that's traveling. And there is some theological debate as to who was about to be killed. I won't, I won't uh, deviate and get down that road just to know that the Lord met him and sought to kill him Moses and his family his son his wife is Zipporah Zipporah then took a sharp stone cut off the foreskin of her son cast it at 
the feet of Moses and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he, meaning God, let him go. Then she said, A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. Now you know why you probably won't put it on your refrigerator. I suspect. But you should write these words without the covenant. And you ought to remember it. Amen. And Lord, I pray the blessing of the Lord and the anointing of God on this house and everyone who hears the word. I had a blessing to your word, Lord. Let the power of the glory of God fall in this room right now and arrest our attention, Lord, to hear it. Let every dry spirit wake up. Let every dead thing wake up. Let every everything that abase, Lord, let it be brought to naught. Every haughty spirit be brought down. Every wounded spirit be healed, Lord Jesus, I pray. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Now put your Bibles down behind you and would you clap unto the Lord and out of your mouth would you praise Him and sing hallelujah and shout to God. He is a great God. ring out in this house there's no God like our God no Jehovah like Jehovah no name like his name thank you and you may be seated Mm. I could have stayed there for a moment (laughs) the Lord has been speaking to me and instructed me in the steps concerning all of us the church and everyone who is connected to this house there is a very strong compelling move of the Holy Ghost and I'm preaching the word today in consideration of the great man that Moses was there was also another side of him not so pleasant. I am indeed uh, happy that my life has not been dissected like those of the patriarchs. Abraham and Jonah and Samuel and David. Their days of living have been put on the scale of a million pulpits. My own paltry situations compared to them are really nothing but thank God not all of us live under scrutiny. Moses had a few identifiable flaws but just to be sure you understand my deep respect for him I'll give you the greater summary of his life from Deuteronomy 34 and there arose not a prophet in Israel Like Moses, the Lord knew him face to face. All the signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all of his servants to all the land. And in all the mighty hand and in all that great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. Nobody was like Moses. And yet, given those words and the totality of his leadership, guiding millions of mostly 
faithless people. Moses had some troubling issues that cannot be ignored. He had an extreme temper problem. It was violent in nature and often uncontrolled. Once, in a rage of retribution, he took it upon himself and killed an Egyptian, which then marked his exit from Egypt. He was hunted but never found. That happened when he was 40 years old. In another instance, Moses became angry at the children of Israel. They were living in the dry wilderness and needed water. God had already supplied them with water from a flint rock some time prior, but their incessant complaining was more than Moses could handle. Nothing he ever did was good enough for many of them. And again, they were thirsty and Moses lost himself. The first time God instructed Moses to strike the rock, it was a type of Jesus Christ. That the Lord would be struck. But the second time, God wanted Moses to simply speak to the rock. But instead, and in anger, a fit of uncontrolled temper, he hit, he struck the rock again. And because of his anger, his disobedience, God kept him out of the promised land. Can you imagine? Moses merely peered over the edge of the mountain, but found no footing. Decades of travel only to end up a look away. These were not the only troubling things that caused conflict in this great man. There was another, perhaps even more serious than the first. Moses was a Hebrew. Amram and Jochebed were his parents. His early years were given to him to learn the principles of the Lord. He learned them. He knew that his God was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was the son of the covenant. And he had been circumcised... By his faithful father and mother when he was eight days old. Moses was called into a desert place and God spoke to him through a burning bush that would not be consumed when he was 80 years old. The supernatural became a common thing with Moses after that. God spoke to him face to face. God gave signs to him unusual confirmations, things that no one had ever seen. Even at the first, when God called him into leadership and ministry, Moses was given all these signs. He was unsure, so God gave him a sign of leprosy. It was there, and then it disappeared. The sign of a a rod turning into a snake, and then back into a rod again. Moses did not have to wonder if God was with him, or if the call was upon him. God told Moses to speak to Pharaoh. You're going to go Tell him, let my people go. The children of Israel were to be set free. That 430 year period of bondage was coming to a close. It was over. All of this was preparing Moses to lead them to their great escape. Move ahead in the text. If if you go later in chapter 5, 6, 7 on into Exodus, you'll find Moses standing in front of Pharaoh on repeated occasions. He is bold. Miracles fill his hands. Wonders will be done in the sight of this Egyptian king and among his magicians. None could match Moses. And while they made their attempts, the plagues seemed to intensify throughout the land of Egypt until Pharaoh's own advisors... His own people said to him, and I quote, How long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so that they may worship the Lord their God. Don't you realize that Egypt is in ruins? It is destroyed? (laughs) But in between God's call 
and the power of God's deliverance. In between that initial burning bush and the plagues and the Red Sea, there existed a a moment of extreme danger. And I read it to you. Moses had not circumcised his son. And God sought to kill him. Don't pass it by. I am cautioned by the Spirit today for all of us do not shrug off that moment. The hinge of the nation of Israel hung on that moment. Leadership was on the brink of being replaced. Those who had been bound would have to wait for another deliverer to come because God was not going to tolerate it. Lives were hanging in the balance. People needed to be set free. But something had been severely put out of order. Yes, God God would use another man. Ladies and gentlemen, God's going to use somebody else. It would not have been the first time that God turned away from someone who rejected him and was disobedient. Don't think you can't be replaced. I, I I hope you stay where you're at. God will have a people. He's going to have a church, ladies and gentlemen. I just want to be in the church. Uh, God was not bound to Moses. Hear me. He wasn't bound to Moses. Moses had no unique abilities that God could not live without. No one does. He can live without me. He spoke through a burning bush, and he spoke through a donkey, and he spoke through a rooster. And if he can speak through all three of those, he can speak through you. Just try to figure out which one you are. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. In fact, Jesus replied once to the Pharisees. They were trying to keep him, keep the people from praising him. and, And they were hushing them down, and they were trying to silence them. Jesus said, if these people do not praise me, I'll make the rocks to cry out. Praise and worship in the church and a set apart people and leaders and deliverers and prophets and pastors. God's going to find someone or something to do his work. I feel just a pause and to say to somebody, there's going to be praise. There will be a revival. It's going to be here or somebody else. There's going to be a house with us or without us. Someone is going to shout, someone's going to sing, and someone's going to dance. And there's going to be a powerful, miracle-working operation. Do you want it? Oh, yes. Yes, there's going to be a church. There's going to be an explosive Sunday school. There's going to be an explosive youth group. There's going to be a powerful young marriage group. There's going to be a host of people. Teacher, somebody's going to do it. God's going to have a people. Yay. I feel like I'm dealing with a spirit of complacency and arrogance today. There's a vain confidence that, that the Lord is talking to me about. I've got to deal with it, but it's a very difficult thing to deal with. Because people look good, and they look right, but that don't mean they're not arrogant. Moses was on the precipice 
of opening up the most inconceivable plagues known to mankind. He was moments away from staring down a bitter king. Both Egypt and Israel would soon wait with bated breath what wonder or horror might come from the hands of Moses. We are reading in between the lines of God's commission and his raw power. The commission came with signs and God's power came with judgment and a great display. Ten plagues and all. The Nile River festering with stagnant blood. Frogs by the thousands completely covering the land of Egypt. The dust of Egypt morphing into gnats and then flies and then the death of livestock. Boils on their bodies and hail from above and locusts a swarm so great you could not see the sky and then darkness appeared. God even told Moses before it all happened that if Pharaoh refused I will kill his firstborn son. And there's the problem. There's a problem because Moses failed to bring the covenant into his own home. It was given to him, but he did not pass it along. The sign of the covenant was circumcision and the parents of Moses committed to it. But Moses failed to commit to it and did not circumcise his son. And God, ladies and gentlemen, was angry. This is not a misprint. And it came to pass by the way in the end that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. I'm reading two different sets of writers always. The ancient writers saw this passage and they looked at it in context of what happened in verse 23. I won't call out all the names of the writers, but they wrote in the 300s and 400s. About 450, most of them. And they wrote about this moment, and I, and, and, and I have one of, their, uh, one of their thoughts here. It said, and I quote, Just at the mark, when we think that we have fully concluded our knowledge of the book of Exodus and the instructions given, Yahweh is destined to kill Moses. We are thus humbled before the rough margins of this ancient text we believe to be the very word of God, And akin to its author, the scripture is no tame lion. God was angry. All that commissioning and calling rested on that moment. All the coming plagues and the deliverance of an entire nation rested on that moment. Circumcision was good enough for Moses, but not good enough for his son. Because it's painful. And he didn't want his son to go through all of that. So Moses kept the sign of the covenant on himself but not on his children. He kept it out of his home. It was good for him, but it wasn't good for everyone who came after him. And thank God it was Sipporah, who was a Midianite, by the way, who saved the day. (laughs) It's strange when the people who don't grow up in it believe in it more than the people who've been born in it. I've read the commentaries, both the old and the new, and the more modern people find this passage difficult to understand, they write. Some of them are perplexed, as if God was bluffing. One writer even wrote that this is a mystery that no one can comprehend, which of course is not true. This is no mystery. Are you ready? God's covenant is greater than our intentions. He's not going to compromise his word for the benefit of the people that he called. No, you didn't get that. 
He's not going to compromise his covenant for the benefit of the people that he's called. Israel is in bondage. The world is lost. They lived in a generational bondage. Four centuries long, it was time to set them free. God was preparing a total and complete exile. The exodus was in play. Someone was going to lead, but God would not compromise his covenant for even the likes of Moses. Called or not, commissioned or not, 80 years of education might have been laid to waste, but God refused to dilute himself with the disobedience of the called. Is this too strong? I got a thread. And I feel led in the Holy Ghost. I don't know what's going to come out of the day. But I believe that God is going to weave something powerful in your life. I know that you have come here. Some of you broken and some of you in need. I want you to know right now. You got to make your calling. You got to make your election. You got to make your commitment. You got to make your dedication right now complete and steady. The gospel and all that surrounds us and all that surrounds the church and the word of God anything that can pertains into the word prayer our Bible time study both here and at home worship and giving here's what the Bible says examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith and prove your own self just think of it Moses had kept his son from feeling the pain of the sign his commission was not enough to bypass the covenant in his own family. That burning bush, all that happened before, and even the gravity of what was about to take place, all of it was almost lost because what was good enough for Moses was too much for his son. I can't speak of all of his motives, but I will say this. Confidence in your call can be a dangerous thing. Confidence in the knowledge that God has called us. With all the wonders that we have seen, it can be dangerous. If we keep them to ourselves and do not offer the same path to those who come after us, we lose everything. Let me just preach to myself. I know that I am called. I've got all the signs. I feel the anointing. I have the spirit resting upon me. But I have, I, there's a problem. I cannot keep it to myself. Because what brought me here came by way of extreme struggle. And if I keep my struggle away from my four children and from away from all the new converts and new believers, you won't know the power that can be had because you never went through the struggle. We know that we are God commissioned. We know we've got to reach our city. But there's a dangerous moment in this transaction. Unless we are willing to pass along the sacrifice. That was instilled in our lives. And unless we are willing to pass along and institute it in our homes. And in our church. And all who come after us. We will have lost everything. A revival, ladies and gentlemen, is set before us. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. As the days start to close to the very end of time. My mother quoted this scripture to me on the phone this week. She said, the Bible says, unless the days be shortened, it'll be dangerous for even the elect. You think 
This is going to wrap up so quick. You're going to think, I got a lot of time. I, I got a lot of time. You may not have a lot of time. The days are going to wrap up quick. And they're going to get quicker as the, as the end of time closes in. Uh-huh. And I want to say a revival is set before us. I see people who have never known the Lord coming to the church. And they don't even know why they're coming, but they just know something's wrong. I, I got to find a place and the Lord's going to draw them into this house. I don't know what we're going to do. We're, we're going to have to, we're going to have to jam up everybody. We're going to have to, we're going to have to go on diets. Uh-huh. We, we, we're going to have to have people that are on fire. They're going to come in. They're not going to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I, I see backsliders coming to this house. You're watching right now. You're watching me online. I feel you're watching me. God's calling you back. You got to get right with God and get back in this house. Oh. I'm not making any proclamation. Everybody knows this. People are bound. And that binding is getting worse every day. Fear is rising up. Doubt, addictions, darkness, suicide rates in many places in America have risen. Abuse of all kinds, some of it self-afflicted abuse. The binding of the world is around us and we have been called, ladies and gentlemen. But if we dilute what we know, there'll be no miracles and there'll be no one set free. The gospel. Self-sacrifice. Start compromising holiness or lessen the need for service and all our calls will lay empty. This is the sad epitaph of many congregations with great potential. All through the night, some of you don't know this, all through the 1980s and 90s into the early 2000s, both parents and church leaders and church administrators and, 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 and the people and the saints, they thought to remove the struggle of being identified as an apostolic and we weren't the only ones. Other denominations saw the same compromise of their tenants. And they saw people just lessening everything. And they sought to, quote unquote, save everybody. They saved the next generation of new converts from the struggle that the former generation experienced. So they devalued sacrifice. And they watered down church attendance. And they negotiated with tithes and offerings and special offerings. Oh, yes, they did. But easy became their mire. It was their mud. It was their clay. And in their moments of what they thought was love, they created a lukewarm congregation and a half-hearted generation. But I rise to say to this congregation of believers, we got to get back to the covenant. We got to get back to self-sacrifice. We got to get back to prayer. We got to get back to holiness. We got to get back to all-out worship. there is no sacrifice there's no power there's no sound doctrine there's no power you're going through a hard time forgive me for my next statement if you've gone through a repeated hard time forgive me of my next statement i say this in a metaphorical way it's time to get out of your mom's basement (laughs) that's offensive i don't know who's down there and I'm sorry that I said it. I wasn't, it was metaphoric. Get out of mom's basement. It's time for you to stand on your own. 
Some of you have been coming to church for a long time. You may not even know the books of the Bible, never read the Bible through. I want to know when the last time you want to, went, went on a one-day fast. <laughs> Where there's no sound doctrine, there's no belief. If everything goes, and if everyone's going to heaven, there's no church. There's a group of people today that believe that only Hitler and whoever you voted against is going to hell. Moses said, don't worry, Gershom, Eliezer, don't worry. There's no need for you to be circumcised. I've done it. I made the sacrifice. I don't want you to have to deal with all the things I went through. I don't want you to have to deal with all the devils. I don't want you to have to learn how to be steady in the face of conflict. I don't want you to have to fight through all kinds of problems inside and outside the church and still learn how to be faithful. Don't worry about that. I'm going to make it real good for you. I'm going to protect you. You're always going to be right. You're never going to be wrong. I'm going to make it so that you never understand anything that's hurtful and you don't know how to sacrifice and you don't know how to give out of, out of your want. And, and, and no, I'm going to make it real good for you. Moses, ladies and gentlemen, should have known better, but he discarded the covenant and left his family vulnerable and unprotected. He did not press he did not press his home into the same mold that shaped him. And just so you know, when you remove the struggle, you also remove the passion. And if you want the next generation of believers in this house to be passionate, get out of the way of the struggle. Don't sympathize with people. And cry over them because they're going through pain. You just say to them, you're doing good. You just walk through the pain. Because when you got sacrifice, it's going to make you on fire. When you got problems and you stay sturdy, it's going to make your foot founded. I pray God weave it right now today. Anoint it right now today. Listen, if you don't have much, give a little bit out of what you don't have much of. I can't make your sacrifice for you. I can't intercede in the same way you can pray for yourself. Because I can only approach the throne of grace for myself, not for you. And when you say, I want someone to pray for me, but you're not praying yourself, you've just ruined everything. Fall on your face and pray. And if we... See, this is... here. I'm at this crossroads here. Because if we keep people from making a sacrifice, we haven't saved them at all. We've lost them. There is no Hebrews chapter 11 without a sacrifice. There are no exploits of the saints without suffering. Suffering and heartache and disappointments always lead to victories that a deluded experience can never bring. No wonder people don't feel the victory of the Lord. We've been keeping them and saying, it's okay, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Those missionaries will find their way somehow. Don't worry about it. You're going through a hard time, that's okay. You keep all your money and your offerings and your time. God will understand. He doesn't understand. Don't worry about it. You don't have to come to church and pray. Somebody will be in the prayer room for you. Don't sign up. 
God forbid you make a commitment. The next generation of our children. I just got to preach to myself and I got to preach to my own home. I don't know where all my kids are. They're working somewhere in here. I just want to tell all my children, hear me. You hold on to it and don't let it go. And you got to battle through your own disappointments. Reagan's there and Roman's there and Alexandra and Nico. Here, dad today. I'm not making the sacrifice for you. You got to go through pain. You got to go through disappointments. You're going to go through loss. But if you can get through it, you're going to have power and authority. And you're going to have wisdom and understanding. And you'll have the covenant. I'm not keeping my kids from the struggle. And in the end, if you don't have none of those things, you have no joy, no power, no boldness in the Holy Ghost. Our covenant, ladies and gentlemen, is a lofty thing. Who knows it's a lofty thing? Can I preach a little bit here today? Acts chapter 2, verse 38 is the command of the gospel. His death, his burial, his resurrection. Peter preached it. It was repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and the baptism of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues. It is an exclusive doctrine found only in the Bible. There is nothing else. It was the birthing message of the church. It was the foreshadowing of the tabernacle. It was the preach keys of the kingdom of heaven. It was the fulfillment of a midnight meeting between Jesus and Nicodemus in John 3. It was the finality of the new covenant, the name which is above every other name applied in baptism and the gift of the Holy Ghost and the covenant and the mark. I feel on fire right now. I got to tell you, don't give up the truth. Don't give up the doctrine. Don't give up holiness and hold on to the covenant. Yay. Hey. I'm talking to you now. I'm talking to you now. I need a third generation Pentecostal to raise their hand. If you're a third generation Pentecostal, raise your hand. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Don't give up the covenant. Any seconds or fourth generation, second, third, fourth generation Pentecostal? Okay. Don't give up the covenant. Mm -hmm. Because if we compromise on the exclusivity of it all, We've lost everything. What we will have is nothing. You give up the foundation of the truth, you have nothing. Walk a little further. If we remove serving in the church, if you stop serving the church or giving up your time, consecrating your lives, if we give all these things up, or worse yet, if we withhold these opportunities from the next member or from our family, then we will be an empty shell of the people that we once were. I'm thankful for all the people that have found the Lord. Thank you. I want to speak to all the new members and new believers of new life. I want to tell all the new folks, you just got here maybe less than a year ago or so. I want to tell you what this place is. Because see, the shutdown kind of hid what the church is so I don't want to do a bait and switch on you because some of you have walked in here and you felt really good about everything but 
I, want to, I just want to let you know, pull back the curtain, what this place really is. <laughs> it's a Holy Ghost church. <laughs> and on many, many occasions, many occasions, I feel the fire start to just rise up. People get out of their pews. And while we're singing and preaching, they start dancing and running the aisles and shouting. There have been people that, I, I, I just want you to know what this place really is before you make a strong commitment. Some of them actually have even rolled on the floor. Some people have spoken tongues for hours in this house and laid hands on people. And even I have been known to walk on the seats preaching down the middle. I just want you to know what this is. So you don't come and say, well, I never knew. They didn't tell me. I just came in. Everyone was social distancing. The social distancing is coming to a close, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> if it's closing up, I'm going to get real close. <laughs> I'm going to start prophesying and speaking in tongues and I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to anoint you with oil. And the prayer of faith is going to save the sick. I want you to know what you're involved in. You're in a Holy Ghost, holiness, one God, speaking in tongues, baptizing in Jesus' name, apostolic Pentecostal church. And since it's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, let me just say this. This is an integrated church, a multicultural church, a church that everybody's loved, and nobody's higher, and nobody's lower. Oh, yes. I'm almost through. <laughs> Oh, I feel the whole, there will be praise. There's going to be a church. Someone's going to take up the covenant. Someone's going to take it home with you. Someone's going to bring it back. Someone's going to join the service of the kingdom of God. Somebody's going to shout. Somebody's going to dance. There will be a revival. Just stand with me now. Yes, 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 yes. Hear me. If you want a revival, I'm talking about a Holy Ghost revival. Because when the Lord comes back, the door is going to close. Like in the days of Noah, God shut the door. Noah did not shut the door. God shut the door. And nobody could get in. And we got to get everybody in that we can.
And if we want that, which I want that, do you want that? See, I'd say not everybody wants it. But as many as want it, the revival, the inflow, the expansion. 3,000 people were baptized in one day on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 in one day. I'm not content to let 64,392 people go to hell in my city. And 103,000 plus go to hell in my county plus all the other counties. We got to do something. We've been called. We've been commissioned. We've been given the truth. I just wanted to say this. I'm looking for the for the seniors all the way down to the children. And it's a total church call. I, I wrote it down because they gave me the report last week. I'm happy to report that last Sunday night in the youth worship center, there was over 100 young adults and young people. I think the number was 127 or 107, something like that. There was over 100 young people and young adults. They had the most, they told me, they had the most powerful worship experience to date and during that moment last sunday night the power of god fell and while they were speaking in tongues supernatural gifts were being identified in your children there was the identifying identifiable gift of healings broadcast and identified in your children and the gift of tongues and the gift of miracles in your children let me tell you the kids want it they want the covenant they want the sacrifice they'll take it our youth were calling on god i wrote this down they were speaking with other tongues for long periods of time. They were laying hands on one another. They were taking dominion over darkness and setting each other free. Wow. And before it was all over, Ben Coachfar, where are you at, Ben? Is he in this building? Run in here, Ben. Can you hear, Pastor? Run in here, Ben. Somebody open that door for him. Come in here, Ben. Run in here. Come up here. Get up here on the platform, Ben. <laughs> and before it was all over, this young man went to his elders and his leaders and said, I feel like I need to pray. And then they said, well, what do you want to pray about? He did it the right way. And then he went to, and then they talked about it. And before they ever gave him a microphone, they made sure that what he was going to do was right. And he got up in the microphone, and the Holy Ghost took over. And they began to pray and lead the youth, the youth group and speak in tongues. And he took a power, and he took authority, because he's a young man of the covenant. Just so you know, we're not going to live without the 